Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hello and welcome to Podcast 178. This is Kurt Mortensen. This is the Maximize Your Influence Podcast. Getting the tools, techniques, strategies, mindset you need to persuade with power. To get other people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. That's the key factor. The number one success skill. In fact, I've given over 10,000 persuasion IQs. And one question I've always asked is, how much money have you lost with your inability to persuade and influence? And I've averaged those together. $4.3 million. Because when you need to persuade somebody, it's too late to learn. You've already lost the deal. So let's talk about things that will make a huge difference. First of all, self-persuasion. It's time to ponder the goals for the year. It's about that time of year where you think about, hmm, I've set some goals. Where am I at? Am I accomplishing the things that I need to? Am I on course? You have to realize, though, that an airplane is off course most of the time. When you're flying from Los Angeles to Singapore, The plane is making mid-course corrections. It's always suggesting. It's not one straight line. It never is. And your goals are that way sometimes, too. I don't want you to change your goals, but maybe you need to adjust the how, the game plan. What do you need to do? For example, maybe you need more help. Maybe you need a mentor with somebody. Maybe you need to read more books. Maybe to break it down to smaller pieces throughout the day instead of one day. Maybe you need social support. Whatever it is, make it happen. Make this your year. Because it is. I know you can do it. As for myself, I'm a busy week. I'm getting ready to do a couple keynotes. I've got one in Salt Lake and then Phoenix. Those are 90 minutes of pop. And then I go to Dallas for a three-day event teaching people how to influence without authority. How do you influence up? How do you influence to the side? That is a very hot topic and trending topic right now. And someday we'll talk about those here on the show. Now, here's the interesting thing. The three-day event is less stressful for me because there's more interaction. I can go off course. We can talk about this. A 90-minute is scripted to the point you can't go over, you can't go under, and that's stressful. You have to have PowerPoints that are perfect, content's perfect. That's more stressful to me than doing a three-day. I'd much rather give a three-day than a 90-minute, and, well, the three-day pays more, too. So there you go. There are little inside secrets from the speaking and training world. So let's kick it off with the article. And, of course, you know it's tradition. This is the geeky article, so we have to hear Urkel. (laughs) This is titled The New Rules of Persuasion. I've been telling people for years, persuasion's changed, everything's different. And this is Dr. B.J. Fogg. He's from Stanford. And he talks about technology and change. For example, he talks about the online world, that at every click, someone's trying to persuade us to do something. And so I was thinking about that. It's true. Any web page you go to, there's something. There's an ad. They want you to subscribe to a newsletter. They want you to purchase something. In fact, a few years ago, I was reading Advertising Age magazine. They said we're bombarded with over 5,000 persuasive messages a day. (laughs) That's a lot. It's probably even more now how Facebook has 200 million subscribers. You would be amazed the amount of information Facebook has about you. So he spends his time looking at persuasive technologies. And so here's a few tips, because I think we're all using these every day, all the time. He talks about choose a simple behavior to target. The example he gave, he was working with a large healthcare company, and they wanted people to reduce stress levels. 
And you would think that's specific, but he says, no, that's too vague, too large scale. So they backed up and said, okay, let's just persuade people to stretch for 20 seconds when prompted throughout the day. That little piece, a little piece, persuade a little bit at a time. Because if it's too big, it's too vague, too overwhelming, they don't understand, it will never be persuasive. I agree 100%. Then he talked about, okay, what's preventing the target behavior? Now, first of all, let me add, you got to find out, okay, what is the target behavior? What is that that you want to accomplish? What are you trying to persuade them to do? Now, what's preventing it? And he says there's three categories you need to take a look at. Maybe it's a lack of motivation. They don't care. There's nothing in it for them. Why rock the boat? I'm retiring in a few years. It doesn't matter. They don't fire anybody. He says lack of ability. Maybe they don't have the tools. Maybe they're not that smart. Okay. Maybe they've never done it before. The third one he talks about is lack of a well-timed trigger to perform the behavior. There's nothing that's causing them to do the behavior. Then the next step, I find really fascinating, he says choose the right tech channel. Well, technology, that's pretty broad. Is that a website? Is that a video? Is that an app? Is, is that an email? Is that a text? Is that a YouTube Live? What is it? Is it an IM? Is it a face-to-face? I threw that in. I know that's not technology, but some people require the face-to-face. So anytime you need to take a look at the right channel to persuade people because everyone's different. So just think about that. And then the final one I want to talk about is build on small successes. For example, earlier we talked about getting people to stretch for 20 seconds. Build on that. Maybe it'll turn to 30 seconds and 40 seconds. Reward them to do that. Get them to do the next step. And what that does is open the doors to long-term influence. Because when you get people to repeat the behavior, then you can start increasing the difficulty of the behavior. Then you can start targeting those other behaviors you want to modify. Then the key thing he talks about is once you've conquered that, you can expand to other audiences who might be less persuadable, more resistant, but now you have a track record, you know what works. Bottom line here, persuasion influence has changed. Bombarded with messages, we're more skeptical than ever before. Trust is at an all-time low, and you have to realize that we have access to more information than ever before, right? If it's on the internet, it must be true, but people will look you up on the internet. It could be good, it could be bad, probably a little of both. That's just how it is. You see, 20 years ago, when you went to go buy a car, you had to believe the salesperson. Now, what what do you have? Consumer reports. You can find out retail price. You can find out if the car's been in an accident. You can find out everything you want that gives you power as a consumer, and it changes the way we persuade. So mental note, persuasion has changed. It keeps changing. That's why you're listening to podcasts. We're going to keep you up to date so you don't have to read all these geeky articles. I'll just give you the bottom line. So what I want to talk about today is the science of space, or called proxemics. You'd be surprised how important this is and how when you get too close, you're too far from somebody, where you sit or even where you stand can trigger dissatisfaction. It could trigger resistance in the other person you don't even know. Remember, most influence involves a subconscious trigger, up to 95%. Most people don't realize that proxemics is critical to understanding human nature and connecting with people. And it was Edward Hall, he came up with the science of proxemics, which is basically how we react to configure and occupy the space around us. Because we all want our own space. We've all had people violate our space. And what my study shows is that when persuaders get too familiar too fast, you trigger that resistance because you got into their personal space. And the challenge is most persuaders have no idea they're making this mistake. 
standing too close, touching them too soon, sitting in the wrong spot. I think we all know somebody. For me, it was my grandfather. Maybe this was your father where they had their chair. In their house, it was their chair. Everyone knew it was their chair. And a guest comes over and sits in their chair. And nobody has the courage to tell them, wrong chair. And you can just feel the tension in the room. That's a classic example of violation of proxemics. Another example. Let's say you go to this movie theater. 200 seats, but it's in the middle of the day. You're having a bad persuasion day. And so you go see a movie. Somebody told me once that's why they have movies in the afternoon. It's for salespeople or entrepreneurs that are having a bad day. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's true for you. But let's say there's two people in the whole theater and a third person walks in and they sit down right next to you. That's a violation of proxemics. Because there's a man law, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a man law that if there's a lot of seats, you can't sit next to another guy. That's just the rule. In fact, a study in Vegas has had two men and two women sitting at a blackjack table. When the two women left, the two men separated. But if the two men left, the two women sat together. It's just one of those things. I don't know where it came from, but that's one of the laws. Now, understanding proxemics requires an understanding of territory and uh, role dominance. The bigger office, the armrest on the airplane, the larger chair, sitting at the head of the conference table, getting into someone's face, all these have hidden meanings. It could be, even be the unwanted touching or jumping into a conversation that damages likability and rapport. Be observant here. Take a look at the space. Some people need more space than others. And yes, it does vary by culture. When you sit across a desk from somebody, there's an invisible line where you can sit. You don't touch the things on their desk. What if you took your chair up and brought it around the desk and sat next to them? Unless you were invited, you're breaking the proxemics rule and you're going to create a lot of tension. To you, it might be, hey, let's get close. Let's talk about it. To other people, no, no, personal space, get away, don't like it. Even when you sit in an office or in a restaurant, how you sit or where you sit is important. If you sit exactly straight across from the person, especially for men, it's going to cause a lot of resistance. It's going to cause an inner tension, that dissonance that we've talked about before in previous podcasts. You should sit on a slight angle. When you sit in a booth, it makes it easier because just a slight angle works well. At a table, too, you can sit in opposite chairs. It works out. Or just do a little slight angle. That will create less tension. And as I mentioned, it varies by culture. In North America, we like about 24 inches in our comfort zone, especially when we meet a stranger. So you can't be closer than 24 inches. In Germany, they want more. It's 28 inches. In South America, it goes down to 18 inches. So it can be a lot of fun when you see a North American talking to a South American. If you ever record it and fast forward it, you can see the North American keeps backing up, but the South American keeps getting closer because that's what they're used to, and they're just dancing all over the room. The North American keeps backing up, nowhere to go. Now, that's comedic on one hand, but on the other hand, this is reality. It's not right or wrong for either culture. We're just used to different things. Some places in the Middle East, they want to feel your breath. Guys like to hold other guys' hands. They might give each other a kiss. It's just different styles, different study of space and relationships and what is important to each other. But when you violate someone's personal space, be very careful. It's the wrong association trigger, and it will backfire on you. You break the proximity, you break the space, they become tense and uneasy, and they sometimes don't even know why. They just feel tense. Now, some football coaches and lawyers might do this on purpose to get in your face. They want you to feel nervous and tense and uneasy. For a lawyer to make you slip up and say something wrong. For a football coach to show authority. You must respect this personal space or you'll make people feel uncomfortable. It is real. 
It's who we are. It's how we're programmed. But you have to understand it. Most people don't even think about it. They might just be a touchy-feely person, but the other person is not. I'm not talking about right or wrong here. You need to adapt to the person, their personality, their style, to the culture, to the situation, and be able to read that. It's not that difficult. If you have your radar on, you can sense this. The challenge is you're so focused on persuading them to vomit your 17 reasons they should do it that you're not thinking about them or reading them. You're just worried about you and what you should say. And that will backfire on you every time. So work on it this week. Work on your proxemics. Get a sense of others. If you're around teenagers, try to violate their space and make them feel uncomfortable just for fun, right? Maybe your own children if you want to. Your family has a more intimate space. It's probably a lot closer than, say, a perfect stranger. And just try it out. You'll see how people react to different types of proxemics in the space that you give them. So this week, instead of having our Homer in our blunder... Don't, don't, don't! We're going to have a ninja. And here's our ninja sound. Ninja go. Now, we're not 100% sure that's a ninja sound, but it sounds good. And it introduces our next topic, a ninja. Now, for those who've been listening to the podcast for a long time, first, thank you. Appreciate your support. Appreciate your email and your feedback. It makes a big difference. And for those who want to email me, it's Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Love to hear from you. But the ninja is an incredible persuasive technique or situation or person. So I went out to eat with a group of people. They're from a business and it's always all you can eat. These are big people that love to eat. They love the all you can eat restaurant, which every now and then it's a great thing. But if you use it too much, it's just too much. I mean, if you go to Vegas for a week and do all you can eat every day, it's just too much. But they love this. So we went to this restaurant. It was all you can eat. Those listening to the show know that I always ask our guests on the show, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Even in live seminars, I ask that question. And without a doubt, the number one vegetable that people hate is Brussels sprouts. It's green, it's slimy, it smells bad, it's gooey. And on the way down, it makes you gag. Anyway, that's what most people say. And I'm not a big fan of Brussels sprouts, although I'd rate beets and eggplant above that, but that's just me. So I'm looking at these different areas at this all-you-can-eat restaurant and Here's the vegetable section. And something caught my eye. It was a whole pan of Brussels sprouts. And I'm thinking, who in the world would think people would eat Brussels sprouts? Why would they have this here that's just for decoration? Do they throw them at the end of the day? But it was half gone, so there's a little social validation there. Who's eating these things? And I was a little tempted, I have to say. Maybe I should look at these Brussels sprouts. Maybe it's the way you cook them. Maybe these are good. Just a little nudge, right? And then there was a sign above the Brussels sprouts. And let me say, this is a chain of all-you-can-eat restaurants. It says, we are the biggest consumer of Brussels sprouts in the United States. And it said, how many pounds? I'm like, geez, the biggest producer. People are eating Brussels sprouts. Who's eating these Brussels sprouts? And I'll have to admit, after all these years of mocking and not eating Brussels sprouts, I got one. <laughs> And put it on my plate. A, the social validation. A lot of them being gone. Half the tray. And B, the testimonial about the amount of Brussels sprouts that were consumed. And so I put it on my plate. And I will tell you, I ate it. <laughs> it wasn't very good. I didn't gag. I didn't throw up. But it, I still probably won't eat them anymore. But hey, they persuaded me to eat Brussels sprouts. And I'm going to give the Persuasion Ninja for the week. Wow. I ate a Brussels sprout. I know a lot of you are amazed. I'm amazed. I can't even believe I did that. But I did. They influenced me. Hey, what do you know? These techniques work. <laughs>
So that's our show for the day. Appreciate your comments. Remember, we're on Twitter at InfluenceMax. We're also on MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Just to let you know, I've had a few people ask me about this. Yes, I do do coaching. You have to qualify, though. It has to be something really exciting, something we can work together. It has to be a good fit for both of us. Whether you're looking at getting better sales, getting a book published, writing sales copy, working on your marketing funnels, basically anything to do with influence, I can help you with. So if you want to talk and see if it's a good fit, send me an email at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Email me. Let's talk. Let's see if it's a good fit. It's always fun. It's what I love to do to take you to the next level and and work in the trenches with you and, and create something great. That's what I love to do. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As you know, master these skills, learn how to influence, and go out and persuade with power. 